Thank you, Kelvin Jones, for being on my With Miska podcast. I'm very happy that you're here. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you so much for uh, having me, Miska. I appreciate it. Of course. Yeah, you, you, we were just talking about accents. So you said that what you needed to learn an American accent. Uh, Russian. Well, I no, no, Russian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a Russian. I need to learn American accent. <laughs> uh, Russian, actually. So I, I got an audition um, to play kind of a. a uh russian oligarch um you know or, or mafia boss yes and um so it, it needs to be an accent and then it needs to be a character with with gravitas and yes so one of the things that i was actually doing to get ready for it is that i was doing the um the julius caesar speech from um, shakespeare yeah the shakespearean and yes i i don't remember that speech it's well, the friends romans countrymen Lindbergh, i know that you know that one um yeah so it's a very um very well-known speech but doing it in in russian as an an oligarch might uh it it really helped uh slow slow down the language and and i was struck by how cool that speech actually sounds with a Russian accent. And now I, I think I might try to put together a cast and do a performance of uh, Julius Caesar, but set it within the world of, uh, you know, Russian mafia members. I love it. I, I would love to audition for that. Absolutely. Yeah, you'd be great. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, the thing is that because I cannot speak American accent, I would like to, but it's there's still a long way to go. So I usually audition for Eastern Europeans, Russians, Germans, whatever foreigners they need. Sometimes they need Finnish people. And once actually, I don't know, it might be even more than once, but at least once they actually changed the nationality of the character to Finnish because they thought that, well, since you have the Finnish accent, let's make it his Finnish that he likes. They thought about some um, Finnish band shirts, but they couldn't clear the rights. But yeah, so I go for foreign parts. Do, do, you, um, do you play a lot of foreigners or people with accents often um weirdly it, it comes up uh i just did a, a domino's commercial um and part of it was in spanish so you had to do the commercial in english and in spanish so i had to learn the i don't speak spanish so i had to learn the the phrase and then i had to get the accent right which took a lot of work and uh i was actually quite surprised when they cast me but uh, uh That was actually kind of fun, but, but, uh, you know, there's getting the audition and then there's actually doing it. So when we were recording it, uh, we do the ADR after you do the wild lines and yeah. there was someone who was a native, uh, Spanish speaker and they were like making me do it over and over and, and I'm like, am I not saying the same thing you are? <laughs> it's like, it's like, there's such diddle, uh, uh, subtlety, you know, little differences in language that like it's really hard to hear if you don't speak it but to to native speakers you're like oh no you said that completely wrong <laughs> i know so it's it's a lot of work you know like uh it, the trick is always like if you can do an accent in front of someone who speaks that accent you know normally and uh how they re respond to it but i've had people ask me to do english accents like in the audition they'll be like hey can you do that with an english accent and i'm like can you um sure <laughs> well, well, I don't really work on them, but I watch a lot of TV. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I watch a lot of BBC and, and luckily I was able to pull that particular audition off and the, the crew was English and I'm like, that's not intimidating at all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and you booked it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how did it go with that? Good. And everything? good. Yeah. You know, I had time once we got into the, the production to work on it. Um, but I did another one uh, that was a, a Russian film. Russian director and and uh, 
the character was like Eastern European. So like, I just like made up an Eastern European accent, but luckily I watched a lot of Bond films growing yes, up. So yes. <laughs> I guess that helped, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's always, you know, if you have time to prepare for it, then you can really get into the nuance of it. But I feel like, you know, as an actor, you probably get this too. They always just throw things at you and, and they're like, can you do this thing on the fly? And you're like, sure. <laughs> yes, uh, I know. And all the auditions come really quick too. Do do you do a lot of auditions? Um, yes and no. I, I think it's a lot, but probably compared to people that are uh, doing a lot more of it. Um, but you do them constantly because you're a filmmaker too, but you still audition for other people. Yeah, I, I still audition for other, other roles, commercials or, you know, interesting things or whatever. But I, I try to be a little bit more selective. Um, like if I know I'm not right for a role. Yeah. Um, like if I wouldn't cast me, then... I don't really push for it. Right? Yeah. So, Do you self submit? Um, I, I have an agent that submits. Uh, I was self submitting a lot. I, I haven't been lately because I've been working on other projects. Yeah. Um, but I, I've kind of gotten to the part point now where like, I kind of want to just be in my friends films. You know what I mean? Like I like working with people that I, that I already know and have a relationship with. And yeah. And, um, the, the cold casting is always, uh, is always tough. Cause you're always like, what do they want? What are they looking for? Whatever. So it's, I think it's, it's much more fun to sort of create your own projects or work with other people who are doing that. I know. And you're doing that really, really good. Like, yeah. So we met at the at the commercial we we got to spend one day together that was really fun it was a few years ago uh, that was really fun that was really fun um uh, when i got the audition for that um i never saw myself as really being a commercial guy um, okay because uh, i don't really think i have a commercial look or vibe or whatever like when you see people that are good at commercials they're like really good right there's like there's a presence to those people and i'm like eh, more of a character guy and then we got to spend whole day together just wait, waiting for our parts and we were just it was just basically me and you and some other people but basically me and you just spending the whole day together and it was really fun to talk with you and i guess that's basically all of our interaction apart from a couple of phone calls that i have done after that to you so i remember it was so fun to talk about talk with you and you had just released your film dry blood maybe year before that uh yeah yeah, yeah. and i was just working on my finishing my feature horror film insanity i was just releasing it and and it has come out now so i, I wanted to ask you some good good tips for re-releasing re it but all the tips were great but i was too late with everything <laughs> because when we were shooting it was like two weeks to halloween and i was just releasing it and you really emphasized like how you can use halloween to release a horror film do you remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it can, you can talk about it. You can use Halloween, I think, to boost the sales, but it's actually, from what I've, I've learned, it's like it's better to release in January, weirdly, uh, for horror film because there's so much that's released in, in Halloween, and people in the Halloween season tend to go toward their old favorites and their classics and whatnot. So, okay. Um, so it's, it's surprisingly, for independent filmmakers, it's not necessarily the best time to release. Okay, then I remember wrong what you said, but I just remember you said something about Halloween. I might've thought that at the time. I don't know. But okay. I, you know, I, I, and it might've been, uh, that was close to our, uh, DVD release or something for it. I don't know. I, I forget, but, um, there is a lot of great festivals around that time though, that you want to hit. 
Oh, Halloween festival. So yeah. horror. Um, That's yeah, good. just the horror, the horror genre convest, uh, conventions in general are always uh, yeah. great to go to. We actually did, um, when we did our release onto Amazon Prime, yes. um, the weekend that we released uh, Monster Palooza was here in L.A., and um it's it, a horror convention yeah right. it's, oh, it's, so what, what is it it's, it's a horror convention it's actually yeah. like um it, it's one of my favorite ones that i've been to but uh, uh mainly because like you go and you see people wandering around that are actually like fans of the genre so i want to like go john, to one of those yeah you'll see like john favreau walking around or you'll see like you know one of the guys from lost or whatever so like you see a lot of a lot of uh industry you know directors and celebrities and and special effects people and artists but they're not there as as necessarily the people hidden behind the booths, but they're the people wandering around because they're fans. Wow. You know? And and that that's sort of what's great about um, you know, getting into genre films like with sci-fi or or uh horror is that a lot of times the people who make the movies are like true fans of it, you know, and so they geek out just as much as you do. So you see like, you know, this this filmmaker that you think is so awesome and he's buying like miniatures from some, you know, horror film that he grew up with. You know? Oh wow. So that, that, that's kind of fun. But uh, w when we did it um, for that one, I think it was 20, uh, 2017, 2019, 2017. Anyway, um, for that, uh, uh, when we did the, uh, the Amazon release, uh, I had my son who's six foot um, four and he's a, he's a dancer. And so he's very like, you know, whatever. And was the, in the film, there's a little girl that's like, there's a headless ballerina. Which yes. Is like one of the ghosts. It's yes. A bit of a spoiler, but it's on the poster. So, whatever. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I, we had him uh, dressed as, he has really long hair too. So, we had him dressed as the ballerina girl with the slit throat and an all corpsed out like a ghost. Yeah. And so, he's walking around and you've got this six foot four, you know, dead ballerina walking around handing out flyers for the movie. It was like, it was great marketing. Was wow. And, and for, for those conventions like you'll have people like waiting an hour like they'll wait in line for like three hours to get in and so we were able to just walk up and down the line of the people who hadn't even got in yet and talk to them about the movie so it was actually oh nice great uh viral marketing for you know wannabe filmmakers out there that are looking for <laughs> ways to promote your films oh this is great <laughs> yes and were you selling dvds or what did you have in your booth um did you have a yeah, booth there was um so the uh the distribution label that we had um Dread. They had a booth. Uh, What's what is it called? Dread. It was Dread. Yes. Uh, which is uh, a, a combination of Epic Pictures and Dread Central, the um, the horror uh, website. Yes. Uh, so they had a booth, and so they had uh, Terrifier and Tales of Halloween and Dry Blood and and several of their other titles whatnot. on DVDs. On DVDs that you could buy. And people like actually we sold out. Like our DVDs sold out like the first day because we were going around talking to people about it. So that's really good. Yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> and I watched the film uh, via Amazon, but it, it's on IMDb TV now, which is called something else. Yeah. F uh, free Freebie? Freebie or something yes. like that. Or, yeah. I think they changed the name. And I was really impressed with the, uh, your distribution company's website because it had, it had like 20 different links the way you can watch the film. Well, right, which they have to update because it's always changing. Like I yeah. can't really keep track of where it is because, like, you know, you'll you'll be on maybe Amazon Prime for like a, a few months, and then um, Amazon will cycle those out with new films. Yeah, and then so then it goes to somewhere else, and it goes to Roku, and then it's on like YouTube Red or whatever, or it's on you know. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the it, there, there's so many that I can't even really keep track of all the various streaming services. Yeah, so now when the film is out. 
And the DVDs exist. So someone yes. probably can and, buy And Blu-ray, yeah. Okay. And it's on about 20 sites. You can even either pay a few bucks to watch it, or I watched it with ads. So you have that those options too. How is it? Um, it was released like a couple of years ago. Uh, yes. Yeah. We um, we actually we shot it in 20... 2015, it 2015. says at the end credits. It, it's just when we, yeah, that, yes. that's when we filmed it. And then we did um, the festival route for uh, like a year and a half of going and submitting. Cause like that, that actually, um, for filmmakers out there that are interested, yes. like it, it really pushes your release date quite a bit. Yeah. To do the festivals because, you know, you submit to festivals and you have to wait until the submissions are open and then you have to wait months until they tell you whether you got in and then it's another month before they show it. And so, you know, you, you'll spend a whole year by the time you go through all of yes. the, the festivals. Um, and then once you get to, to distribution, they're like, oh, we love it. And they're like, great. When does it come out? And they're like, I don't know, year and a half. And you're like, what? <laughs> because they have all of their uh, their distribution plan for what they're going to release. Yeah. So, um. I, th- I think by the time that they, it finally released, I think, what, 2019, maybe? Was it 2019? I forget. Anyway. Um, yeah. It was quite a while after we had actually shot it before it, it actually made it to the audiences. But we, we actually did get, um, uh, not only did we get a, a, a Blu-ray and a DVD release, but we actually released the album on vinyl Al- with the soundtrack. Uh, oh, the soundtrack, yeah. Which is really yeah. cool. I don't know which movie. In that, you had bought a movie. Uh, no, 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 but not a movie, but a song. You had bought the movie because at the end there was someone singing a song. Yeah, there's one song in there that we licensed, but all the rest of it was... Uh, Can you tell me what it was? Uh, the song at the end? Yes. Um, oh, what is it? It's Guy Lombardo. Um, in the Pink, I think is the name. Is that the name of the song? I think it's In the Pink. Anyway. But the Guy Lombardo, anyway. Guy Lombardo, yeah. And the film is called Dry Blood. Dry, yeah. Uh, well, why did you be, uh, choose to license the song? Um, you, it probably cost something. Yeah, yeah, that was a, uh, and it still does actually. You have to pay every year on it. Um, so forever, we, yeah, <laughs> like the life of the film, you keep paying for the yes. licensing. Um, so the the song's making more money than the movie is <laughs> still, but um, the. Uh, my son was really into uh, like forties, you know, he was listening to like a lot of stuff. Uh, I, th- I think he'd gotten into it through like Bioshock or something. Cause they had all of these cool 40 songs in, in the video game. And okay. So, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, Bioshock. It's a, it's a video game. It's like okay. a really cool um, uh, video game. It's like, uh, I think it's kind of set in the future, but it's um, essentially like it was this world that was created, you know, back in the forties, but like yeah. this underwater world that uh, has been left. Uh, do you play anyway, too? I'm not, I'm not going to explain it because I'm explaining it badly. But yeah. Do you anyway, play? It's a really cool video game. Uh, yeah. Do you play it? Um, I've played a bit of it. Yeah. Um, I actually kind of ruined my ability to play video games back in the 90s because I played so much Doom that I got simulator sickness. And now if I play first person shooters, I get nauseous. <laughs> so when you, I haven't heard about this before. So when you get it, you always get sick still. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even now, like if I play, you know, like, those fast moving because like you know, I remember doom. Yeah. Yeah. When you get really good at it, you're just flying down those corridors and you're turning yeah. left and right and making all these turns. And, and uh, it just, it really messes with your brain circuitry because your brain thinks you're moving, but your body's not. And yeah. so it creates this, 
disconnect. Um, so it's the simulator sickness. It's it's what happens to pilots. Okay. So in pilot training, like the the pilots might get that if they're in a simulator and they're not moving, um, their their body can't their brain can't really put the two things together because their ears aren't registering yeah. movement and, and changes, but the screen's changing and all of this. And so the, the brain just like, I don't know what to do here. And then you just get really nauseous and it's horrible. <laughs> so anyway, I basically, uh, I have that. So I have to stick to uh, games that I can do like, you know, third person. <laughs> oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. So you, your son was playing, I was asking, why did you license oh, anyway, a song? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> without getting too far off tangents. Um, so he was playing, uh, Bioshock and they had all these great songs. And, yeah. Um, uh, I was trying to think of the one. Uh, I'm blanking on the song right now. Of the mo in the movie? Uh, no, yeah, from the game. Like there was one in particular that he really liked. Anyway, so we were listening yeah. to this this station that would play the old uh, kind of '40s hits. Um, yeah, and uh, I heard the song and I was like, "Oh, this is perfect. This is so perfect for the movie." And I I played it for Clint, who was the um, the writer and and producer star of it. As yes. Well. Um, and he was like, this is great. And once we heard that song in the context of the movie, it was like, there was no other song that would work. Like we had to have that one. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I love it actually, but you know, you, you saw the end, but I think it really, because it's such a chipper song, but then it's like the lyrics are so dark. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know. I, I love that. Uh, it reminded me of the ending of evil dead one. Oh yeah. Because at the end they have a really chipper song right at the ending credits. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's a really important thing with a, a film because it's like, what do you leave the audience with, you know? And, and if you have, you know, especially if you have a really like kind of intense, crazy ending, um, you want to sort of pull them out of it in a way. Yes, um, and I think it worked. Yeah, I, I thought it worked. I, yeah. So. so, you you got the film finished, and you were talking about the festivals. But when you had the film finished, did you have any distribution? anything secured not at all uh, you just shot the film someone and, edited it or and, you and, and it was all you know actors that no one had heard of so you yes. know like we really did everything that we could to not make money really <laughs> I, I, I know i have done one film and uh i yes i know how it is <laughs> yes uh, so you so you had the film finished so then uh yeah so so the 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 point you know, the, the goal was to make a film that was so good at, that we would win festivals and then we would take the festival wins and use that to get distribution, which yes. weirdly we were kind of able to do. Um, yeah. Because we, we did the festival circuit, um, uh, uh, there was magazines that did write-ups on the film, people that had seen it at the festivals. Um, the uh, We actually had a cover. There was a magazine that we had a whole cover of. Wow. Uh, which was pretty cool. Did you have a promoter or they really just picked it up? No, it was it was just us because uh, it was, you know, we just didn't really have the budget for any of the marketing or anything because it was so bare bones at the time. Um, but uh, sorry, I, I I'll recommend that. Yes, yeah, so I'll interrupt. So it's a, just so the audience knows. So it's a horror film. In the, do you want to quickly say what kind of film it, it is or what it's about? Um, sure. It's, uh, you don't need to give it away, but right. so people just, um, it's basically, it's a, it's a guy who, uh, goes to this cabin yeah. uh, that, that he has with his, his ex-wife. Um, and he goes there to get sober because he's, um, he's an addict and he's pretty far along and whatnot. And so he, he goes to the, the cabin and he's going through, uh, withdrawal and he starts to see, uh, 
these ghosts, you know, these like really horrific images. And he doesn't know if what he is seeing is real or if it's because of the drugs coming off. So if he doesn't know if it's a hallucination or if it's really happening. And so he's trying to figure that out. Um, and while he's there, like one of the local sheriffs is like, Played by you. Played by me. Yeah. It's yes. like, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. And like the sheriff can clearly clock that there's something wrong with this guy. Yeah. And uh, he starts to suspect that uh, that these people are, in fact, the ghost of people who have been murdered in the house and that uh, the sheriff might actually be responsible for killing these people in yeah. his house. That That's great. So I don't want you to give away the that, ending, but I think that's. But that's, yeah. that's the gist of it. <laughs> and the ending gets uh, very graphic. Yeah, it gets pretty crazy. <laughs> very intense, yeah. It's a very slow burn, too. So, like, it's, uh, yeah. you, you know, it's definitely a movie that, that, like, you have to sit with and, and go on for the ride. So, it's, uh, uh, in, in the streaming world, that's a little tough because a lot of times people, they're like, oh, this is boring. You know, like, the, they won't watch a, a slow burn movie. But, um, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s, like, all of the great films, they were all slow burns. It took yeah. a while to get into the world and to to get a feel for the characters and what was going on. And it, it's a slow build of tension. Uh, you, you said you saw it with ads. I haven't seen it with ads. I, I'm curious how much that uh, affects the pacing of it. Um, because it's meant to see, you know, obviously the experience of seeing it in a theater is so different than seeing it at home. Yeah. And that's really different than seeing it with commercials, with having, you know, these random uh, spots that come in and break up the uh, the pacing. It helped me because I was eating at the same time, <laughs> like snacks. I was able to prepare some food while I was <laughs> <Right>. eating snacks. <laughs> eat your way through the film. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna eat, eat early because you know. You and don't I did eat after seeing yes. the movie. <laughs> I know it. It gets yeah. It gets pretty crazy. <laughs> so you you had uh, who wrote the film? Uh, the lead guy, uh, Clint Carney. Yes. Um, and were you hired or was it your creation? Uh, no. So Clint and I were actually, we were working on another film that we were, uh, that, that he had written that I was going to direct. Um, that was based in the world of uh, punk rock. And it was like a, uh, kind of a high school heavy, you know, drama. Um, that was also pretty intense, but it was really like really well-written. It was very similar to, um, uh, the stranger, like uh, Camus. Are you familiar with Camus? I I know it. It it's a book. Yeah, it's it's very uh, existentialist. Yeah. It's very like uh, kind of bleak. Um, but it was this this really brilliantly written um, film that are, we were trying to get, and we realized along the way that uh, uh, you mentioned music and licensing. Uh, the music and the licensing was going to make the film at a budget much higher than what we were going to be able to raise as first time filmmakers. Yeah. Um, and it was also a period feast. It was set in the nineties. So that would require having a lot of, um, you know, getting period, uh, vehicles and period clothing and period, you know, uh, anytime you do something that's, uh, set in a different time period, uh, it's pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, it definitely creates challenges. Cause then you have to get everything, you know, you have to use visual effects to make the roads look different and the street lights are different and everything has changed. Right. So it's, it's a lot more work than it seems like. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so we were, uh, working on, on that film and realized like, wow, this is really expensive. And I'd gone to Sundance that year and I actually called Clint from Sundance and I'm like, I'm not going to go another year without making a movie. Like, like we need something that we can shoot now. And, uh, he's like, well, I've got this idea. He's like, give me a month 
to to kind of you know write out a script yeah uh so like a month later uh he gave me the script for drive blood and i was like this is really freaking cool <laughs> this is great uh so we we worked on it we we made a few changes here and there whatnot and um went into production like pretty quickly so um you know we were at i was at sundance at the end of january and then we were shooting the film by the summer so it was a pretty quick turnaround did you do in the sundance did you talk about it or anything like that the uh, talk about the oh sorry i sorry i misunderstood so in the sundance um so you were in sundance you got the idea and then you started working on it afterwards well, yeah, yeah. That, I, Basically, at Sundance, I had met a lot of uh, of other uh, filmmakers and directors yeah. and, and people whose uh, work that I really, um, really admired, you know, and, and uh, you know, basically would, would sit around drinking, you know, uh, whiskey and hanging out, talking to people, you know, late yes. at night about filmmaking. And it's very inspiring. Like if... Um, I've been in AFM, American Film Market, a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, if, if you've ever, um, if you've ever wanted to go to, to Sundance absolutely go because yeah. it's like uh, it's an experience it really is for especially if you're a, a filmmaker aspiring filmmaker and a lot of, i hear a lot of people say like well i don't want to go to sundance until i have a movie and i was like you're really missing out because there, there's something about being in an environment with people who, who not only who make movies but people who love movies you know and and it reminds you why you got into it to begin with um And I, th I think any festival, you know, is, is going to do that to a certain extent. But there, yeah. there's something uh, specific about that one because uh, because it's in a uh, an area where there's not a lot of other things to do other than ski. Um, people tend to just kind of hang out in the same town. Like if you go to see a film festival in New York or Los Angeles, whatever, <clears throat> as soon as the screening is over, everybody goes and has dinner and they go to their different parts of town, or whatever. And you never see them again. Right? Yeah. But if you're at Sundance, there's nowhere else to go. And so you end up like you're on the, on the bus sitting next to the actors that you just saw in a movie the day before, you know, nice. you're, you know, buying coffee and you look over and it's the producer from, you know, the witch or whatever, you know? <laughs> so it's um, the, the ability to meet people and not network in the sense of like, Oh, you should hire me, but just talking to people that, that get it, that, that have your same passion for, yeah. um, for, for storytelling. Uh, can be very inspiring. I, I get it. So you got inspired. You had done short films before. Yeah, and and as, a lot of things. Right. Yeah. And music videos and whatnot. Um, and I had uh, worked as a producer and a cinematographer on, you know, features. Like I've done features uh, pretty much my whole life. But um, I need to ask you, who's Kelly Jones? <laughs> Because he's a great gaffer and camera operator. <laughs> and he has a paid EIMDB page too, because he has a photo. Right. So He, he looks oddly familiar. Yes, <laughs> but a different look. Yes. Uh, well, so a, what's up with these two? Uh, because, okay, the reason is because I checked your IMDB, and then I know that you have done so much, but basically Kelton Jones starts working like 2010. <laughs> I was like, what happened before that? And then I found Kelly Jones. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, you did some detective work. Uh, essentially, the way IMDb works is it it puts whatever you have the most credits in. That's yes. what it says you do. Yes. And so for um, you know many many years, I worked um, in the lighting and camera department. You know, I was a gaffer, I was a cinematographer, whatnot. So I I have like a lot of credits from a lot of different 
uh, movies and TV shows and whatnot. Texas Ranger with Chuck Norris. Yeah, Walker Texas Ranger was yeah the early one. Yeah, because um, I actually started in like 1987. I think was wow, the first first film. And uh, anyway, so I had this this massive amount, and I knew that when we released the the film, that it would get lost in these other credits. So if people looked me up. You know, they would see like, oh, this guy's a grip, you know, or this guy's an electrician or whatever. Yeah. They're, they're not going to think like, oh, he's a filmmaker. He's a director, whatever. So uh, I actually created a new uh, new page based on uh, Kelton, which is actually my my whole name. Like Kelly's short for Kelton. Yeah. Um, so I created a page for that. And then that's been primarily the work that I've been doing as a producer or cinematographer or um, director an actor. But you still want to keep up the Kelly Jones page? Well, I don't keep it up. It just exists. So, you know, IMDb basically decides all that. Okay. I thought that they remove your photo if you stop paying. Um, I might yeah, be wrong. Sure. I, I, I think if, 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 if it was... Uh, Actor. I think if it predates a certain amount, you know, a certain year, you know, so like... Um, and I, by the way, I hate that IMDb does that because the whole point of IMDb is that you could look up actors and see what they did, but they started monetizing every aspect of it and, and, yes. and making actors pay to have their picture on there. And I was like, you know, actors that were in a movie in the eighties, they're not going to pay to have their picture in there, you know? And, and like, that's who I want to find out. I was like, wait, this guy was in this movie. And you know what I mean? So there, there is a certain amount of archiving that they do with older actors so I, yeah. I think if you if you had an imd pay, db page before they started doing the pro accounts and charging for that um uh, they left the the images up okay and the image is oh otherwise I, like you you wouldn't there wouldn't be a, a picture of like robert mitchum you know or like you know like who's going to maintain that that's true yeah but that's a good idea to ha keep have two separate pages like that yeah i'll, I'll eventually merge them or whatever i'm sure but <laughs> but no i i totally sense. get it why, why you did it yeah, so, so you got inspired in Sundance, then you called your friend, what was his name? Clint. Clint. He got an idea, he, then you had a script for Dry Blood. Right. What, what happens then? Uh, well, we had already been raising money for the other film. Um, and so, oh, for the punk film. For, yeah, yeah. And, and um, we went to the investors and we said, um, and we were actually, uh, the way that we had structured the, the contract with them is that, um, if we went a year without um, raising the full funding that we needed, that they would get their money back. Yes. Um, and so we were getting close to uh, when that, that year was up anyway. And so we, we basically, we asked all, I was like, well, you know, we're getting close to the end of the contract. We're going to give you your money back. Um, but we have this other movie idea that we want to do, you know, would you be interested in just moving that money over into that project? And, um, with the exception of one person, uh, everyone else was like, yeah, that's fine. You know, yeah. they'd already kind of, you know, forgot about the money anyway, I think. What, what kind of people, like, um, who do you go to? That's a really good question. And that is, I guess that's the million dollar question with filmmaking, right? Is who it's, the hell pays for For this? me, it's now a $15,000 question because yeah. I'm shooting my next feature in the feature and I've shot uh, five days now. So I need... A little bit more money to finish it. I'm but shot five five out of fourteen. I used to think like when when we we did the first one, I used to think it was people who were looking for an investment. You know, they're like, oh, I can make a lot of money off of a movie. <laughs> yes, uh, but the you know the the truth is is that you 
movies don't make money. You know, distributors make money, you know, people who rent equipment make money, you know, but, but filmmakers very rarely make money, you know, um, and people who invest in movies very rarely make money, you know, like you, you do have the one-offs, but it's like, it's a very small percentage. So if, if you're looking to make money, invest in real estate, <laughs> you know, if you are, if you are looking to support an art form that you love, then invest in, in the arts, you know? So like, you know, you, you can invest in, in, opera, you can invest in ballet or you can invest in film. And, and it's about, um, maintaining an art form that you believe in, you know, and, I, and, and that's what I sort of came to realize is that it's much more of a philanthropic, um, endeavor than it is. And yeah, there's the potential that you could make money back, whatever. But really like when I talk to investors now, I'm like, we're going to do everything that we can to make you money, but you know, the numbers don't really favor us. Um, uh, but we will make a good film and you'll have your name on something that you can be proud of, right? You can be part of something. And, and I think that there's an appeal to that. Uh, so that that's helpful. And, and generally like the people who invest in movies, um, like, so like if you're, you're going to do a film, it's somebody who's investing in you, not so much in this idea that it's going to make a lot of money. So it's not a, a venture capital, uh, endeavor so much as it's a, it's like, like, I believe in you and I think you're going to be a great filmmaker and I like you. So I want to see you do well. So, you know, I've got, you know, money to spare. And I'm going to give you some because I want to see you be, you know, what you can, can potentially be. Yeah. Right. So th essentially the people who really end up investing in, in movies are people who, who believe in you. And, and sometimes that's family members, sometimes it's friends or, or fans. Um, Clint actually is a brilliant uh, oil painter uh, and musician. And so he actually has uh, a, a huge group of patrons and fans that, uh, collect his artwork, uh, that, you know, follow his band, whatnot. And so a lot of, what's the, people, the band called? Uh, system set, system set, system sin, like system sin. Uh, it's, a like industrial, uh, music. It's actually cool. really good. Really. I was, uh, when I first heard his music, I was like, I am so glad this is good because <laughs> yeah. when you have a friend and you hear their, you hear their music, you're like, Oh yeah, I'll listen to your music, but it's usually not great. Yeah. Uh, so when you actually go, I actually really like this, I would wow. actually own this album, you know? And, and so when, when you're actually like, can be a fan of your friends, like, yeah, that's so nice. Nice. Yeah. Do you mind saying his la whole name, last name too? Uh, Clint Carney. Cool. If people want to check out his painting. Yeah. Check out uh, his, his paintings. It's, uh, it's very uh, surrealist and it's dark art, you know, not, I don't think he really likes the term surrealist, but dark art. Yeah. <laughs> so you said cool that stuff. he had some fans who, you were talking about like who to ask for money and how it works. Uh, yeah. yeah. So he had, he had people that collected his art pieces, you know, so uh, uh, his, his art sells for, you know, a couple thousand, you know, uh, or more uh, depending on the piece. Um, And so there are people who collect his artwork. And so some of them, and then you, the, he had friends that invested in, I had friends that invested in it. Um, obviously I put my own money in, uh, my son invested in it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, is like I said, it's people who want to see you do well and, and they want to be part of something that's cool. You know, ultimately. Do they come to the set or do you offer anything like that? If they can, yeah, if they want to. Um, and when we did the festivals, you know, um, 
you know, a lot of them, especially the, 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 our larger investors, you know, like they came and, and we brought them on stage with us and, you know, it was the whole, yeah. you know, but it's, uh, it, it was very much like, like that film was very much a family, um, film and, and the sense it's not a family film to watch it, but it's, yeah. it was a family film to make it. So the, my, my wife, uh, was producing it. Um, and she, she did sound and she did craft service and she did, you know, wardrobe and she did, you know, set dressing and, you know, like all of the things that go into it. Um, uh, the house belonged to, uh, Clint's brother. Um, his, his dad, who was a, uh, a sheriff was like our, um, a technical advisor, uh, and he let us use his his Jeep. You know, so like that's the. So it was a real sher sheriff Jeep. Yeah. Uh, well, the it was his Jeep, but like we made it into a sheriff. Jeep. Yes. But, but the uh, it looked convincing. But but the weapons, you know, like so he was our weapons master. So like yeah. the shotgun that was like a real, you know, that was his. Um, the um, you know all of the the body armor that I wore. Yes. Um, all of the stuff that we had. Um, Where was it shot? Uh, it was shot up uh, in between uh, Air Lake Arrowhead and Big Bear. Up in okay, that area. Was it difficult to get the convenience store? Uh, no, not really. Um, you know, we we rented it. We gave them a certain amount, but like we we found a place and yeah, a real store. Yeah, it was a real yeah. working store, and and they closed it down for us for the day and let us shoot there. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, like uh, movies are cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> like we, we all grew up watching movies and TV and, and, you know, fantasize about being these characters or, or, or being part of the process or whatever. So, um, especially when you get out of LA where everybody makes movies, if you get out into an area, you have people who are like, yeah, a movie, that'd be neat. That'd be kind of cool to do, you know, or be part of whatever. Yeah. And it's, uh, it, it's great to be part of it. You know, it, the business itself, it's like, is what draws us to it, I think, to begin with. Uh, and the same with theater. It's like, you, you're drawn to the art of it. And it's not so much about like, oh, hey, look at me. It's more like, oh, this is so cool to be part of something that I grew up with that it's yeah. meaningful to me. And like, it's a, a communal experience. And it's like a communal art piece. And, and I think people like being part of that. Um, so a lot of times people will be like, yeah, you can shoot at my house or yeah, you can you know, use my car or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's nice to ask something that is not money from people, like locations or can I use your car? I'm having some, mentally some problems uh, asking for money from people, especially knowing that you're probably not going to get this back. But I feel like that you have done the work and you can, the speech that you just gave, it's really convincing, but it's also truthful that it's more like philanthropic and, if you want to support arts, we will use this money to use to make a movie. But I'm having trouble. Like, I'm I'm not mentally there yet. I I put a go Indiegogo up, which was easier because I put it up and people could invest if they wanted. But I didn't need to. I didn't send it to any specific people. Right. Right. Yes. I didn't make any money. <laughs> but I have some people who have some. So, some people who have been supporting me, but it's been really nice that one of these people gave me a location to shoot at. It was nice. Right. But I, I really would need some money to complete the film. So we'll see how I'm going to solve that. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, uh, 
it's always hard for us to ask for money in general. Like it's, it's a skill set, you know, being able to, to do that. It's like, you know, some people are really good at sales. Some people are really good at, at whatever. And, and like to, to go and, and ask, you know, friends or strangers or relatives or whatever for money, like you're like, oh, I know you need this money, but I need this money to do this thing. And there, you know, so you start, you start downplaying what it is that you're creating. Right. And, um, you know, you're, you're creating something that, um, you're putting your heart into that you're putting your, your love into that you believe in that, um, you, you're, you're trying to do something cool. You know, you're like, I'm trying to do something cool, help me do something cool and be part of it with me. You know, and I, and I think if you have that, uh, that approach to it and, and that mindset, you know, of, uh, like I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity to be part of this, this bigger world. You know, this is a legacy thing of like, you know, no matter what happens to me tomorrow, there's a movie out there that I was part of making, you know what I mean? And your name is going to be. On yeah. It. And, and, and your name becomes part of it. And, and even beyond that, there's something about like being part of it. Um, it's almost like, like, uh, I was, I was in New York recently and, and, uh, um, I was working with a guy who was working on set and, and his father was a, a Mason and he, he worked on like uh, empire state building or whatever his grandfather would. And he's like, he can look at it and go, I was part of that. You know, I, I was part of building that building and there's this structure, there's this physical thing that exists in the world that I was part of making. Right. And, and you can have that same feeling about, you know, an NGO charitable organization, or you can have it about a building or you can have, but there's something about, making something tangible that exists in the world that, that makes the world slightly better than if you weren't there. And, it, and, and I think ultimately like um, as, as humans, like we have an inherent need to, to say I was here. Yeah. You, Which you know we I mean? do every day when we create our art, but someone who doesn't create art can support that by giving money. Right. And then he becomes someone who was part of creating that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Some, something exists that, that you're, you're part of, you know, that, that, uh, and like I said, that could be a bridge or a building or, uh, and for me, it's also this podcast, right? Like this is what we're yeah, doing. This, and this will, you know, this will be here forever. And yes, <laughs> unless if you change your mind and you need, ask me to pull it later, <laughs> but it's the same feeling, right? Yeah, exactly. So do you want to say how much you needed for dry blood? How much was the budget? Oh, the budget for that? Um, our budget was $100,000. Uh, we actually ended up uh, not even, because we left a little bit of a window, so we didn't uh, ask for the full amount. Like, yeah. I, I think we ended up uh, raising like 87, somewhere around there. And that's um, real money. You don't yeah. calculate the free oh, no, no, cars. That, that doesn't. Money. That that's actual money. You know. Wow. So, so we actually came in under budget. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. And how long did you shoot for? Um, I think uh, as far as the the number of shooting days, I think we did about. I think officially it was it was scheduled for. <laughs> 15 days. And then we had a couple of like little pickup scenes, you know, or, uh, whatever. So I think it might've been close to like 18, but you yeah. know, the last three weren't like full days. It was like, Oh, we're going to go do a scene here. Yeah. Whatever. Probably a pretty small crew, really small. So, so like I said, my, my wife was, uh, on the crew. Um, what did uh, she do? Uh, lots she, of things, lots of things. She yeah. did makeup. She did, um, wardrobe. She did, you know, set dressing. She did 
craft service. You made the coffees. You know, yeah. She did the food runs. You, so like like producing, but also producing and physically doing all of the other things. I well. have done lots of that position. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, my sons uh, both worked on the film um, in various capacities. Uh, so my uh, son Zeke was, uh, he was the gaffer. I think he was 15 then. Yeah, he was 15. Uh, at, at, uh, I think he just turned 15. So he, our gaffer was 15 years old. Uh, and then uh, Declan, who was uh, 13 at the time, he did uh, he, he did a lot of the sound. So he was doing sound when my wife wasn't, and he was doing all the mechanical effects. So like if you had a door that needed to move or yeah. you had a thing that moved, you know, he would be like under a tarp moving things. or whatever. Yeah. So he was doing a lot of the uh, mechanical effects and whatnot. Um, so, so they were there for a lot of it. Um, uh, there was actually, there's a scene, uh, not to spoil it, but, uh, there, there's a scene in there where my, my character has this really horrific thing happen to him and whatnot. And there's yeah. a lot of blood involved and, uh, we're doing the scene and we had all these blood tubes run up so we could do all of the fake blood yeah. and all of that stuff. And, uh, uh, all, we checked all the tubes and everything worked great. But once I was laying down, it changed the the positioning of everything. Yeah. So when they did the spurt of the blood, it shot right up my nose and down my throat and pretty much into my lungs. So now I'm like choking. And I was, uh, you see in the, the movie, I'm like choking. <laughs> I was literally choking on fake blood in that moment, but I didn't want to bust the take. Yeah. So it was like trying to get through the take without losing consciousness. And I'm like, okay, how wow. long can I go before I actually like pass out? Because I couldn't actually breathe. And uh, <laughs> you see uh, Clint in the shot, there's a shot of him and he has all this blood splatter on his face. That was actually the blood I was coughing up. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rough. It's like really brutal. Yeah. Uh, it looked great. Uh, yeah. So it's like, this, you know, like I said, I, I didn't want to bust the take, you know, because yeah. we only had one shot of it and, and I can't, you know, because yeah. we have to redo everything. And so I'm like, I don't die. It was really good. <laughs> like, like I really thought like that was a, a thing of like kind of rolling the dice there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I did this really horrific death scene. And then um, I look at the end of it and I realize that my wife and sons are there as the crew watching this scene. And it's all make-believe and it's all pretend and it's all fun. But when you're seeing your dad die on the floor. It's, yeah in a really graphic, brutal, horrible way. I look over and their eyes are just like, they're like crying. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> like that was really like, Oh, sorry guys. I'm like, that's going to be some therapy bills later. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. But they, you know, they're, they're still making movies and, uh, you know, they're both working in the industry. So they, and they, he, the one of the sons went to promote the film. Yeah. Dressed as a ballet ballerina. <laughs> exactly. So you shoot the film it's finished and you have used most of the $80,000. So what do you de do then? You said festivals, but how do you go? I guess what I'm after is that how do you go after distribution and how does it work out? Um, you know, it's, it's like all of these things, like all of these paths are like, there's what we did. Maybe that works for you. Maybe yeah. it doesn't. I don't, you can read. Um, so many different stories of how people got distribution or how they got funding and whatnot. And the only thing that's consistent is that it's completely inconsistent. It's different okay. for everybody and it's different based on what you have. So essentially like if you have a project, it's like, you know, what do you have going for you? 
you know, um, do you have recognizable um, actors from that genre that people like, you know, yes. that's going to help. And that actually, you know, in retrospect, if we had cast the film using uh, recognizable actors who had been in, in movies that people liked, um, we would have had a much easier time getting distribution. Um, but as it was, we were getting distribution based on the fact that like we were winning festivals and we were getting, you know, really good, um, write-ups in, in magazines and articles yeah. and whatever. Um, but you really, you can't count on that at all. I mean, that's, you know, that's luck because you, you can't control how an audience reacts to your film. You can only yeah. make the best thing that you can make. How do you feel about, uh, talking to distributors before you start shooting? When you have a plan, that's, cast, all that. That's the correct way to do it. Okay. <laughs> you you want to, uh, I say correct, but really it's like, it's the smarter way to do it. Um, we didn't have uh, access to those things at the time. You yeah. know, we didn't know. So there was a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, there's a, a huge learning curve, you know. Um, I know I'm in the middle of that. Right. Yeah. Right. You you make your first movie and you're like oh that didn't work out like I thought it yeah. would and, you know and and you learn a lot and then hopefully you make another um, the the thing about making your first movie versus uh, your second movie is like really the only thing harder than making your first movie is making your second movie okay <laughs> and the only thing harder than that is making your third movie <laughs> okay <laughs> so, so it never gets easier yeah you know, in, in fact it like <clears throat> you learn a lot in the process of doing it but one of the things that you learn is that everything that you thought was wrong. And so you don't have that, that naivete that you, you go into yeah. with the first one of like, we're going to make so much money and this is going to be so successful and people are going to love it. And, you know, like, and, and you, you realize like, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but like you, you don't know what you don't know, but when you go to make the second one, you know, too much. Yeah. Know, and you, you've seen the numbers of how the, you know, it, it it's received or how much money you make out of it, or you have this thing and, and like all of the things that were so much harder, you know, so it becomes really difficult to um, convince yourself to jump back in the ring. Yeah. So it's sort of like boxing seems like a great idea until someone punches you, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. But it's like, you know, after you get up off of the mat, it's like, ah, I survived that. But it's like, do I really want to box again? <laughs> That's good. Well, actually, okay. So your second film, Off the Devil, mm -hmm. you have some celebrities. Yes. The bad guy from Commando and Mad Max 2. Right. Vernon Wells. Is there some other celebrities, at least him? Um, there's a lot of uh, really great, um, talented uh, actors. I was very fortunate with the casting on that. Yeah. Um, so Eileen Dietz, who was in uh, The Exorcist, so okay. She played. Uh, she she played uh, Reagan. So Reagan was played by four different actresses, essentially. Oh uh, wow! Um, so uh, Linda Blair did. Uh, if you know the all of the lore of the movie, so I she, know she, she some. did all the scenes with her mom and and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, they actually made up uh, Linda and Eileen so that they looked identical really with all of the makeup and yeah so sh she did all of the scenes that were like the really horrific um scenes where she's being possessed so the the crucifix masturbation scene the throwing yeah. up the green thing the you know floating above the bed like like all of the stuff that that um that that happens in the demon mode you know um that was all eileen and and the pazuzu 
um, creature. So there's like a flash image yeah. of this like demon face that that happens uh, in the movie. Um, yeah, that was Eileen with the makeup. Um, oh wow! So anyway, so so she's uh, she's kind of horror royalty. Uh, nice, well. and I guess and people really, know him. What's that? Yeah, horror people know him. Yeah, know her. Yeah. Her. Yeah. Um, so, so people that really know horror and know, uh, who she is. She was also in like, uh, the planet of the apes series. Oh, wow. And, uh, general hospital. She was a, yeah. Uh, so since you were wiser after the first film, so off the devil is now, uh, finished, but it's not released yet. Right. Uh, it hasn't been released yet. Yes. So, uh, because you sent me the link and I saw it, but it's not out yet. Right. So it's, um, I think it's a couple of months away from release. It should be the end of the summer, I believe, yeah. is, is when they're planning on uh, releasing it. So after the first film, since you were wiser after that, how did you go about doing Off the Devil? Well, I think the the, the big thing was, um, you know, bringing in as many uh, talented, um, experienced actors as, as possible. Um You know, I, I think you can get really talented uh, people in films that that don't have a lot of credits, but it makes it a lot harder when you go to try to sell it. And and even when you do sell it, it's like, you know, if you look at it from the, the distributor's point of view, it's how much money am I going to put into this this movie um, in order to get money back? So if you have a, a movie that has a recognizable face in it, or it has something about it that really, you know, people are drawn to, then it makes sense to put money into a campaign and marketing. And if you don't market a film, people don't know about it. And if people don't know about it, then they don't watch it or they don't pay to see it, whatever. And so it doesn't make money unless you spend a lot of money. So it's like how much you spend on the movie is almost less important than how much you spend on marketing the movie. I I'm I have learned that. Yeah, yeah. So that that's really the thing. And so what you want to do is that you want to help the people that are trying to sell the movie make it as sellable as possible to get people to watch it. And so, you know, if you can put somebody in there that that they like. And one one of the tricks obviously is is that it's very expensive to have uh, a lead actor who was a, you know, a major actor or whatever because yeah. when you get into uh you know, you have to pay them a lot. <laughs> But you can pay somebody for a day or two. Um, usually, that that's within the budget range if you're making a, a really low budget film. Yeah. Um, and so, it's actually easier to fill the smaller roles with recognizable names than the larger ones. So, you know, if you're you know kind of smart about that, you can do it to where you spend one day shooting, you know, four different scenes or five different scenes or however many that. Um, are peppered throughout the film, so you see these characters kind of come and go, and so you see this a lot in in movies now. Like like you'll you'll see like a big name actor, you know, on the cover, and then you see him for like a scene or a few scenes or whatever. You know, they're they're not the character that you're following. You know, yes. Um, uh, who was Eileen? Uh, I'm not going to give any examples of that because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, who who was Eileen playing? Um. Uh, she was uh, June. She was the next door neighbor. Oh yes, that had the dog. Because she comes and how many days did you have her? Um, we had her for maybe three days. Because she's yeah, there quite days. a lot. Yeah, like throughout the film. Yeah, and same thing with the. I don't want to give too much away, but same thing with uh, Vernon Wells. Vernon, yeah, he's 
Yeah, uh, Robert Lasardo's in it as well. Uh, yes, of course. He's phenomenal. Oh, he's so good. Um, so he he, I actually wrote that role um, for him. Yeah, because like I was picturing him in that role, and uh, at one point they're like, "Oh, you know, he may not be available." I was like, "No, we have to have Robert. It's got to be Robert." <laughs> yeah, like, I will die on this hill. It has to be Robert. Like, yeah, I wrote that that role for him, um, and he just killed it. Like it was so good. I, I know. So how has it been selling? Oh, well, actually, I go a little bit back. So after the first film, you said that the music is making more money than the film. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess were you able to make money back to investors or um, with the first film, Dry Blood? Yes, you were. Uh, but it, it takes a long because uh, essentially, like, there's so much money that goes into you know. It sounds great to have a theatrical release and a DVD and a physical release, but it costs money yeah. to print those DVDs. It costs money to rent the theaters and whatnot. So the more of those things you do and the more you spend on marketing, that money all has to be paid back to the distributor before you make any money. So by the yeah. time they get their percentages and and cover their cost, um, all of the early profit is going to go to paying back the distributor. Okay. And then once you get to a point where they're paid off, then you get into, you know, how much did it make on top of that? And But if you made at least $80,000, that's a lot of money for indie film to make. Uh, yeah, well, we didn't, we we made the distributor back. Uh, so most of the money went to the distributor. Yes, okay. Uh, basically, so the the investors have not uh, recouped the $80,000 yet. So, okay. And, and as one of the investors, like, I haven't seen a lot of money. So th- that was like one of the things where you know, that that's part of the learning curve, you know, is, is that like, we, we fully went into that thinking like we can make a lot of money off of this, you know, and, and uh, this could be the next paranormal activity or Blair Witch or whatever. But um, that's what I was hoping too with yeah. my film. Yeah. So what, what I've kind of figured out, you know, reading a, a, a lot of books from other filmmakers and reading the stories and when it's like, essentially like when you have those films that break out like that, like, yeah. um, Robert Rodriguez's film or, or those films or some of the other ones. It's, it's not because the filmmaker did anything particularly right. It's that somebody decided to champion that film and make that into a, a marketing campaign. So, you know, I, with those films, somebody had a vested interest and I'm going to use this film to build my company and I'm going to take a no name film with, with unknown actors and I'm going to make it huge. And the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to put billboards all up and down sunset Boulevard and I'm going to, you know, do a major media blast. So like those movies weren't made for a lot of money, but they spent millions and millions of dollars marketing them. And the model for those films was that you spend millions of dollars marketing them, but you make it all that money back the first weekend because you do a a big wide release on it. Yeah. Um, And and those kind of opportunities are very rare, um, but it's it's generally like when when historically when that's happened, it's because somebody who really knows um, distribution, somebody who really knows the market and and how to make a film successful on the business side of it, um, decides to take a project and and usually they're starting their own company, and so they want this to be like this is going to be my flagship project or this okay is something new. So like that's what happened. You know, essentially with Phantasm, you know, it's what happened with um, Paranormal Activity. When yeah. That was it. 
that that somebody who was really brilliant marketing had the connections knew what they were doing was like okay i'm going to use this and this is going to be the the film i champion and this i'm going to make sure that i make money off of it that's cool i didn't know that yeah so it's it's uh you know as as a filmmaker you learn it and you really like wow this is really out of my control so it's really like you know, having those opportunities have to do with who you partner with and who you impress and who decides to, to make you a star. Um, who decides to make films. you a star? What's that? Who decides to make you a star? Yeah. That's, that's a Hollywood sentence, but, but that's true. It's true. It's true. And if you look at all of the, the unknown filmmakers who made it, and there was always somebody who was an industry veteran who knew what they were doing, who decided this is going to be the next, you know, story and deadline about how this you know rags to riches story happened but it's never it's never just somebody doing it on their own yeah wow what's your opinion on indie filmmakers taking some salary themselves well you absolutely should uh, this is yeah this is what you do this is your job you've you've dedicated your life to be being good at this and like you you need to be able to survive and pay your rent so like if you look at the the venture capital world you know there's people that that create um uh you know apps or they create businesses yeah. or whatever and, and like they pay themselves so this this idea that that you should martyr yourself in your art by not supporting yourself is like it's kind of insane and and it's not really and common what's that it's, it's, it's very, very common. common yeah but it's like you know from uh if i was investing in in a a, a project or a movie or whatever yeah and you weren't taking a salary i would be suspect of that because i was like like why are you not taking a salary do you not consider yourself worth paying and if you're not worth paying why am i giving you money you know what i mean that's that's well said i will remember that but but it's also like um so if 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 i give you money to to create an app or yeah. a business or a film or whatever uh, yeah which, which a film you know that's really how you look at movies it's like it's a business that you create yeah right? is that if if i'm giving you money to to do something uh i want your full attention on doing that thing so if 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 I give you money to make a movie and I know you've got to make all your bartending shifts that week, like you're not spending time on rewrites, on talking to the actors, on, you know, uh, producing it or, or, or doing the, the best that you can do to make that successful. Um, then you would be, if you were paying yourself enough to live on, um, and, and, you know, pay your rent and, and whatever, um, while you're doing the project. So it's, I, I think it's a little silly to not pay yourself. That's great. I mean, that's great what you're saying. And, uh, I think I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, essentially like you're, it's like so much of this has to do with like, what am I worth? Yeah. Right? Um, what is my time worth? What is my film? And, and, uh, I think a lot of artists and filmmakers kind of go like, Oh, you, you know, and, and they have this like, well, I'm doing this thing and, and they don't believe in themselves and they don't believe in their projects. They do because they believe in it enough to do it, but they come in with this idea that they don't and that they have to be subservient or whatever, or that that's somehow a, a, a appealing, you know, to somebody that you prostrate yourself, you know, whatever. And it's not, you know, because that's not what you want to invest in. You want to invest in somebody who's who's confident and and who believes in a project, and you want to be part of something great. Like you don't want to invest in a film out of pity. You want to invest in something that's going to be cool. You're great. <laughs> You're great. I I love it. Yeah, I I yeah. 
I feel that uh, many, and I'm too. I'm also too humble with some things. It doesn't and help. No, like 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 yeah. You know, we we want to be humble, uh, you know, and and ultimately, like I think I think we are. There's there's a thing that the art is greater than us. You know, yeah. It's, it's the same thing with theater. You know, it's like like I'm trying to do something that's much bigger than me. You know, and I'm trying to do whatever, but um, I'm completely competent. I am the right guy to do it. Right. And, and like, you can't go into a meeting feeling like you're not good enough to do it. And, and you don't want to project that you're not good enough to do it, whether it's, it's, you know, an actor playing a role or whatever. So like, there's really no room for humility in business. You know what I mean? Like there's room for kindness. There's room for compassion. There's room for, you know, uh, teamwork, but it, you need to know your worth and you need to bring that and you need to bring all of it. I love it. Thank you. What's um, what's next for you? You're releasing the film, and um, what else? Oh, so much. <laughs> uh, right now, actually, uh, oddly, I'm I'm writing a book on filmmaking. Um, wow! So I just did an interview with Sean Cunningham, who was the if you're not familiar with horror. Uh, no, it's it's a really familiar name, but I don't know. No, who he, is he? Um, he was uh, one of the most successful indie filmmakers. Uh, he he. Uh, was the director for the original Friday the 13th. I know that, yes. Uh, and producer of all those. And so, you know, he, he'd made several films before that. Um, but Friday the 13th, you know, like it's kind of a famous, famous story. Uh, basically, he uh, hired a photographer and he took a piece of glass and he hit it with a hammer. <laughs> and the photographer took a picture and he took that picture and wrote Friday the 13th on it. And then he went in with that picture and got $600,000. He got wow. somebody to give him $600,000 based on the picture. He didn't have a script. He didn't know what the movie was about. He just had a cool idea for a poster. And that was the yeah. original poster idea. Um, so just on that key art idea and this idea that this was the scariest movie ever made. And he's like, I didn't know what it was. He didn't know what it, how it was going to be scary. It was just going to be scary. You yeah. Know? And and somebody said, okay, sure, here's some money. And uh, so he took he made the movie and took it in and, and showed it to Paramount. And they're like, cool, we'll release this. Um, but he, he did it based on the idea of like, I've got something great and I'm the right guy to do the job. Yeah. And so he went in with that and he, uh, you know, he got it funded and it made it. And then the audience loved it. And it was a bigger hit than anyone ever could have uh, foreseen. And it created like, you know, a whole uh, slew of films afterwards. Um Obviously, there were there were films, uh, popular films that were similar, you know, uh, before that. But but that one was like definitely one of the ones that inspired tons of filmmakers. Yeah, uh, it was really brilliant, brilliant marketing. Wow! And we, I can read about that on your book. Um, that that's actually pretty common knowledge. So like the yeah. uh, like that bit that I just told you. Yeah, like that's. Uh, but I, I think a, a lot of what the book is going to be covering is sort of the. Like, what does it actually take to make a movie? Like, how do you make money doing this? How do you, you know, how do you make a movie and then make another one? How do you, you know, make it in the industry? And then what does it mean to be a filmmaker? You know, how do you work with actors? Like, like there's so much that that I feel isn't really covered in a lot of those books. I've read tons of them, you know, um, and I'm sure you have as well. But it's like when you get into making a movie, you're like, I'm really unprepared for this. <laughs> like I've read I know. so many books and I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> so uh, hopefully it's, it's an attempt to impart some of that. So I'm going to try to talk with some other um, 
filmmakers specifically uh, independent filmmakers and see you know what their process was like yeah and i think the whole distribution has changed quite a lot in it changes days, all the time years yeah yeah it's like it changes so much that you can't you really can't write a book on film distribution because when the book's out it's irrelevant that's true <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, because it, it changes so much but there there is so much great information out there obviously podcasts are great and you know youtube tutorials and whatnot and um really yeah, you know, you, you got to just talk to people who are doing it. And it's like, what'd you do? What'd you do? You know? Yeah. I learned a lot about from podcasts. Yeah. Filmmaker podcast. Yeah. And, and everything like what, what we did with dry blood to get that released. None of that applies now. Right. Not because it changes so fast. Yeah. That like whatever we did, like, yeah, it kind of worked for us, but it's not going to work for the next person, you know? And, and the same way that like, you know, people look at, you know, a, Blair Witch or Paranormal Activity, and they're like, oh, that's one of them just like, yeah, that's not going to happen because that world doesn't exist anymore. You know, the industry has changed so much. You, you know, you're not going to get a, a major theatrical release. They're, you're not going to get um, DVD sales that make your money back, whatever. It's like, it's a streaming world now. So it's like, it, it's different. You're right. What What are the websites that um, people should visit? Where can they, where can they find your work? Um, Right now, like like if you're looking for for dry blood, if you go to the um, if you go to uh, uh, dry blood uh, at Epic Pictures, like there's the there's a great uh, page that they have that shows like all of the links, and you can see all the links as to where the film's playing right now. It was a really cool page from a filmmaker point of view. Yeah, that, you know, Epic yeah. was phenomenal. Like we, as far as uh, distributors, like I love the relationship with them. Like I yeah. really felt like that was a a very um, kind of family relationship. Like all the people who were involved in it, like they really love film. Um, they love horror. Like they, they, you know, uh, they used to have these before COVID uh, they would have all the directors that wanted to come. Like we'd all get together and have dinner and we'd have like, wow, we, we'd go to like a, a brew pub or whatever and sit around and just talk about movies, talk about what we're doing next, whatever, you know, and, um, exchange ideas. And sometimes we'd end up like helping each other on projects and whatever. And it was like, um, it, it was very different than the, the traditional distribution model. And, and like a, a lot of how they, they created that, um, the uh, kind of getting off the, the topic from it, but the, uh, the, the way that, that, uh, dread set up their things is that what they did instead of just, um, the normal distribution where you, you throw the movie out and just see how it does in the market, whatever. And, and it's, packaged with a bunch of other movies. They actually did a, um, a curated release where they released one film a month. And for that whole month, they would promote it on um, uh, Dread Central. And so like that wow. would be the banner, you know, like when you go to the webpage, whatever, like the banner would be for that film, whatever. Uh, and, you know, they really gave the time to, to the film and they would do, you know, theatrical showings and they would have, you know, events and whatever. Um, and, and so they, they, they would really um, hype the film in a great way. Yeah. And they picked films that they felt like um, were interesting to have in a collection. And so it's like, it's a numbered collection. So like, oh, wow. that was kind of the coolest thing for us was that uh, we actually had a lot of uh, offers for distribution from different companies. But like the idea of being part of a curated collection was really, uh, really appealing. And, and some of the other films in that collection are phenomenal. Like Terrifier, uh, was in there, um, uh, to Helen back the documentary about Kane Hodder. Um, 
uh, trying to think what else was in there. Um, I'm I'm blanking right now, but like phenomenal films. But that's mo- that's great because many distributor com- distributor companies just take the film, they put it on Amazon, and that's it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and and we wanted we wanted a little bit more uh, of a personal experience like that, you know. And 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 you know when when I told them what we were doing for Monster Blues, they're like, "Oh, that's great! You know, we'll have a booth, and you can just tell them to come by the booth or whatever." Oh, you know? nice. And so like like they so they're they're very uh, in, encouraging, you know. And, and this was a, a new project. Like uh, we were the second year uh, that they did that. That's um, cool. That yeah, did. when I went to their website, it was the best. Uh, indie distributor website I have been on. Yeah. It really encourages you to click those links and watch the films. Yeah, and and it, you know, you know, Epics, they have great films. Like they have so many things outside of um like Turbo Kid, you know, and, and yeah. Tales of Halloween. When I, um so even before they had the the Dread, which is sort of a sub label uh within it, um, they had so many great films of like all genres. Nice. And they're just really good people. Like I, I genuinely like really like everybody there. I, I might approach them when I have my film finished <laughs> next. I, I, I would. I, I'm, I'm actually going to because they were so. The website was so good. Yeah, yeah, and and like I said, they're they're like I, I feel like they're very straight up, um, and they're they're just cool. They're cool to hang out with. You know. So we can find your film on Epic Pictures Dry Blood. Yeah, and and like I said, it's on uh, Amazon, so you can rent it on Amazon. Still, uh, you can watch it with ads on Amazon. Uh, you can watch at it with least ads. Um, probably rent it too. I I recommend watching it without ads if you can. Yes, um, because I I think it does affect the pace. Yes, but um, you know, like that ad streaming thing, like that didn't really exist when we wrote the film. You know, yeah, so, like that wasn't a consideration, and so that that idea uh, and it's something to keep in mind. Like if you're planning to do a slow burn film, I don't recommend it. Uh, if if you are going to do um, uh, streaming, it, it makes it really tough because once they start like randomly throwing an ad, because it's not even like normal ad breaks. Like when um, I have that thing, my film is on Tubi, right? So it has ads. Yeah, and 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 with those things, you you don't really control when those ads happen, right? Because it's not like okay, at fifteen minutes, this is going to happen, or yeah. at, you know, whatever. So like. Um, that that means like they might throw the ad in the middle of a scene, you know, or or, or you know, in the middle of a build. Yeah. Whereas like the the old school model for television is that you had these acts that were based on like you had a complete arc and then you had a cliffhanger before the commercial break. So you had yeah. something really interesting happen. It was you know it, it, it was written that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's written for yeah. the commercial and to bring you back. And um, movies don't necessarily have that because they're meant to be. Uh, experienced over a yeah. and a half to hour period, right? So, uh, like, I, I find the ad model um, can be very disruptive. And so, like, if you know that, then going into it with the writing, you have to write in a certain way that allows for that. You know, that allows for the fact that, like, oh, there might be an ad at any point, and I've got to keep people interested enough that they're going to keep watching. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have to add to that that, however, since people have a pretty it's a big deal to pay a couple of bucks to rent a film that you don't know any anything right. about. So the ad uh, streaming services lower the 
threshold for people to click on the film. Yeah, and they're great for filmmakers because I, you know, as, as a filmmaker, I think you you might actually make more money off of those than you do off of you know some of the other streaming sites. Okay, obviously the the, the rentals. If someone uh, clicks to rent or if they buy a physical, then that helps the filmmaker more. Much more. Yeah. Okay. I will I will rent it tonight again <laughs> to support. Yeah, I will do that. So, but that's good to know for good for the filmmakers. So, what were you? We have still a little bit of time, not much, I know. So, um, what was your point with the uh, ad thing? Would you recommend not using the ad uh, services that use streaming services that use ads as a filmmaker? Uh, no, I absolutely would. Uh, that that's a huge revenue stream. Okay, know? so like you don't want to cut that out. It's really my my point to that isn't. Uh, to avoid those, it's to be aware of them and to think about when you are crafting your film, when you are, are editing it, when you are writing it, you know, in those uh, development phases, whatever, um, be aware that this thing is going to happen that could take your audience out of the film and they might not come back because the danger is that when you cut away to an ad, they might go to go do something else or might get on a phone call or might switch to another thing and never come back to your movie. Yes. So how do you make it so that you're keeping them so interested in what's happening that they're going to come back? That's a great point. Yeah. That's the world we are living in now. Yeah. And, and it, and, and that's really, um, like I said, everything changes all of the time with yeah. this industry and, and it's, it's that awareness of like, Oh, movies don't necessarily work the way that they used to because they're watched in different ways. And, and just being aware that people are going to watch their movie, your movie on a phone now, as opposed to watching it in a theater, like it, it changes that experience. And so things that you can, um, you can do in a theater with, with building tension or, or creating these sort of uneasy moments, you know, like aren't going to relate well to a film. Like, and, and if you look at like the films that were great, you know, like a film like the shining, if it came out now, people would hate it. You know, uh, if, uh, you know, Spielberg movies, like people would probably not even, you know, keep watching them because they'd be yeah. like, Oh, I'm just watching a family have dinner. I'm so bored. I'm going to watch something else. Right. Yeah, it's Cause they're, they're not getting into it and they're not getting into the, the substance of that. Um, actually I just watched a, uh, a really great film, uh, Force Majeure, which I think came out years ago, was like, yeah, whatever, and uh, and it's a beautiful film, and it's very subtle, and it's um, you know, you you have these big wide shots where the camera's not moving and they're not cutting, and you just have this this family interacting, or you have this thing happening yeah. in the frame, and it's like it's so beautiful and it's such an experience, but you have to just settle into it. Uh, Roma was like that too, like yeah, like Roma, you had to just just sit and allow yourself to be quiet and and uh, sort and like those aren't films that are going to do well with ad breaks, you know, or they're not going right. to do well with whatever. So I think, you know, knowing, you know, where your film's going to be shown, you know, who your audience is, I think it's really important. Our studio time is ending here. <laughs> Any other websites people should check out? Um, no, I don't think so. Actually, <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, that's the only one that I, that I have up right now. So. Cool. I'm going to put, put it on the links. Yeah. Okay. Kelton Jones, thank you so much. I learned so much about this. Yeah, it's fun talking to you. Obviously, we could talk for hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, After Devil is coming soon. Yes. And Dry Blood is out. 
Yes, I'm very excited about of the devil because I think people are really gonna really gonna like it. Me too. I loved it. Did you? Yeah, I loved it. It's it's excellent. Wow, that, that makes you very happy. <laughs> thank you, thank you for being on with Miska Podcast. Right. It has been two weeks since Kelton Jones was here, and but we are back with Kelton. I was just editing it, but I heard that you have some good news of the film of the devil. So we decided that we we're gonna talk for a little bit more. And give give a little update. What's yeah, going on? Thank you for letting me come back in. I just, thank I, you. I, I just wanted to update. Uh, some of the press has come out. Yes, uh, and we have an official um, release date, so it's going to be released digitally. Um, awesome. And I, you you also have Susan Jones with you. Yes, and I brought my lovely Hello. wife and producing <laughs> partner. Yes. So can you be, just before we go to the news? How, what what was your part in the film? Um, I did, what did I do? I did makeup, special effects, wardrobe, art department, props. What else did I do? A lot. I, oh, <laughs> I fed everybody. <laughs> Made sure everybody was fed and watered and yeah. snacked. <laughs> uh, we painted the entire house. It's like we uh, we had a friend that let us film in his house, and uh, Susan and I painted the entire place the because whole, it was all yeah. white walls before. So we had to we had to clean everything out, put it all in their garage, and then paint the walls. And then brought in all the furniture and dressed it and, and did a shopping one. But the yeah. the cool thing that that she did was that she made the props. So yes. like the the headdress uh, with the skull on it. The she skull. made that. Yes, that is a uh, skull from. Russia. Yeah, we had a special order that from Russia. Not a real skull. Not so. a real skull. It's a. Oh, for the print. kid. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. The kid yes, out, that was huge. Dress. Yeah, that's an actual pug skull, but not a real but one. Not it's a real a, one. Yeah. Uh, a really good 3D printed version of yeah. one. And we weren't sure if it was going to make it in time, so it did. But <laughs> it did. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. It was close. And you have really cool family operation. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, because you're a couple. Your yeah. parents too, and all that. We work together. We love it. Yeah, our our, our kids grew up on the set. Um, our oldest, actually, I used to work on sets when I was teaching college. <laughs> I was teaching film production, and I would be like weaving in and out of C stands, setting stuff, and he would be in a backpack on my back, you know, just like weaving back and forth with his bottle Never, and whatnot. Wouldn't say a word. And, uh, <laughs> and the crew was just like freaking out because yeah. they're like. <laughs> the little babies, like you know, setting stands. A little kid, but uh, yes, know, they they, they, they we, both grew up. We did um, Night of the Alien. How old they were? They were like six and eight or something like that. Yeah, I think I, so. I look over and Declan's rolling sound. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have pictures of them like holding booms. So now they're both working uh, professionally. Zeke's doing sound professionally, and he's doing uh, post. He actually did the score. Uh, he's a musician, can yes. play anything. Um, he he. <laughs> Did the score? He did the for off the devil of the devil, of the yeah. devil. Um, and he did all the the foley and all the ADR and all the sound mix with stuff. So it was uh, great, pretty and well. Declan and then, edited, yeah, and Declan edited, and then there uh, he edited the film. Yeah, so he cut uh, he cut the scenes, and then we sent them to Clint, who did the final edit, and then kind of put things together. And um, he did maybe supervise the whole post, but he would he'd send wow. a scene to Declan. Yeah. It's like here you cut this, and and, and how old are they? Now um, they're twenty and twenty-two. That's really impressive. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you've cool. been on, they've been on set their whole life, so <laughs> and so they're actors too. Like uh, Zeke played um, the Jesus ghost. Yes, the creepy Jesus. Yeah, I like the to creepy call him. And uh, Declan's in the creature suit, so he's the creatures. Yes. In fact, we we have a photo of Zeke booming, 
and Rolling Sound while he was dressed as the creepy Jesus. <laughs> his scene was coming up, and I had to get him ready. Oh wow! For that, but he had to boom in this one scene, and then he went into the creepy Jesus. Yeah, he did all, all our production sound, so he would be like, you know, he'd be in costume. You know, I love <laughs> it. Doing the but you, so you have some news of the for the oh, film? Uh, yes. Yeah, just the release date. Yes, it's coming out on August the ninth um, on streaming. I'm not sure exactly which platforms it's going to be on, but it should yeah, be pretty easy to find. Um, but yeah, we got um, they, a write-up in Deadline magazine, which we're pretty excited about, and a lot of other um, Joe Blow. Um, a lot of good buzz. A lot of, a lot of good press coming out, so yeah. they're starting to release a little bit more for it. And uh, Yes. You know, we're getting excited about it. <laughs> and the trailer is on the Deadline. Yes. I'm going to um, put the link. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think the trailer was in the Deadline article, but it was in one it was. of the... That might have been in, in Joe. Anyway, I'll, I'll send you the links. Yes. <laughs> so, so how, how was the process from two weeks ago? Because did you already have the distribution or what happened within in the last two weeks? Um, yeah, so they, they announced the, the distribution deal um, with the deadline article. And then yeah. uh, I guess like a week or so after that, they started uh, releasing the trailer And then uh, there was just an article releasing the key art for it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which so I, have you seen the poster for it? It's pretty cool. Uh, no, no. <laughs> It's crazy. Sorry, my dad. No worries. Calling. Your dad? My dad keeps calling. From oh. where? <laughs> He's in Texas. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, what are the, since you now have the release date, what's the work? Oh, wow. So this is our. <laughs> this is really, and it, rem it gives like a Netflix vibe, vibe with them. Oh. Oh yeah, red and white. Oh, that'd be nice. I like that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate being on Netflix. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. I wouldn't be mad about that. Wow, this is excellent. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna put it up here. So, um, what's the work that you need to do now when you have the release date? You said um, promotion and all. Yeah, that. things like this. Right now, like the <laughs> there's a PR there. company that's handling all that, so okay. they are uh, scheduling uh, interviews with uh, with the cast members. Uh, it was actually kind of fun. They they asked which cast members they could talk to, and so I, I reached out to them, yeah, uh, just to make sure that it was okay, you know, with them to share their contact info. And you have and some whatever. stars, uh, yeah. So they were uh, very excited. Yeah, well, um, everyone was on board. Yeah, Robert Lasardo was really excited. Like his his role was amazing, but he really liked it because it's it's an unusual role for him. It's not the kind of roles that, that they normally um, yeah give him. So and he actually good. had to learn a different language for it. So like a lot of his dialogue was actually in Mayan. Um, oh, so I didn't know that. He's actually speaking Mayan. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as I know, anyway, as as I, I wrote think. it in Mayan, but yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming he said it right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, he probably incredible. he was amazing. He yeah. came in and just was phenomenal uh, for that. Everybody was amazing. Yeah. Like, um, really, everybody. Vernon Wells was it, yeah. great. Um, uh, do you know who Vernon is? He was in. Yes. Uh, Mad Max 2. Mad Max. <laughs> and uh, Commando, the main, yeah, yeah, main yeah. Uh, villain. <laughs> Bennett. Yeah. Yes, Bennett. <laughs> yeah, he was fantastic. Those are with. the biggest things we know him from. Or, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think those, yeah. those, are, those are the two that yeah. really, uh, th that the fans love him. I, I saw, you know, uh, The Road Warrior when I was a kid. I actually saw that with my mom in the theater. Yes, he's the guy with the mohawk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was wow. nice. Yeah, <laughs> amazing character. Like, he just plays amazing villains. Like, he's just a great, yeah. great actor. He's quite a character. Yeah. <laughs> And, And then, does he live here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Eileen Dietz, who was in um The Exorcist. Eileen yes. great. So she was fantastic. And, was <laughs> and this is cool. Uh she was one of the girls. 
who played the main right so she plays uh the pazuzu um so when the, the image flashes up and you see the the pazuzu face uh that was her and then uh she was one of the actresses that played uh reagan so in all of this stuff that in you couldn't do with a child um that's too you know traumatic to put a child through um she, she, that was actually her in the makeup yeah doing that so and it was uh, dick smith who's an amazing uh amazing um, makeup artist uh created a makeup look that would go on both her and uh linda blair and look where you could tell the difference like yeah wow cool. so uh, other steps so they are uh, the press is reaching out for the stars mm-hmm. what else so do you have to do now you have a month and a half to the release no one month yeah uh I, I think it's mostly just waiting at this point, you know, yeah. like, like yeah. all of the, the hard work is, is kind of done at this point. So now it's just, you know, uh, waiting to see, you know, how people like it. Um, I, we, what's Midsummer Screams coming out. We might go down to that. Oh, and, yeah. Sorry, what? Uh, Midsummer Scream. Okay. It's, it's an amazing um, event <clears throat> that they have down in uh, Long Beach. Um, Please tell me more. It's like a it's a big horror event, and so yeah. like they have like um, haunted house stuff, and they have like live shows, and they have actually you know yeah. and Zeke and Declan are going to be there as well. Yeah, they're performing. They're performing. Yeah, doing what? on something uh, other than of the devil things. Uh, one is the Zombie Joes. Yeah, so Zeke's doing yeah. uh, a live theater piece with Zombie Joes Underground. Yes, uh, which is a bizarre, amazing underground theater in North like. Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and then cool. uh, Declan. Yeah, they just hired him to be one of the performers. I guess they're doing a haunted house event as part of it. But uh, yeah, it's really cool, especially if you're a fan of horror at all. It's it's a I great. I love that the whole team Jones is going. Right. <laughs> so, what are you two gonna be there? Do you well, have flyers? Anything? Well, Eileen, yeah. Eileen's Postcards. gonna be there because she always gets uh, a booth. Uh, yeah. So she's okay. gonna have a booth there. And her and, uh So I, I may come and just kind of hang out with her and and uh, keep her company in the booth. <laughs> nice well, passing out. Of yeah. the devil postcards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and is it going to be transactional VOD or free streaming? Do you know that? Um, I don't know yet. Um, yeah. All that's kind of what the, uh, you know, distribution company decides. Uh, a, a lot of times, like, they'll start with um, uh, where, you, where you, you can buy it. But it depends on, on what it's on, right? So you... Um, I know that they'll have like the the ad based um, VOD as well. So, yeah, you know. like Tubi. Yeah, my and film and those. My film is on Amazon that you can rent it and pay, or you can watch it on Tubi for free with ads. With your yeah okay. yeah. yeah So our our last film was like so that they released it on Amazon uh, for pay, uh, and then they released it on Amazon Prime later, like yes. a couple months later, and then then it started going to like Tubi and. Uh, like Roku and uh, like tons of different, um, yeah. uh, it's, it's hard to even keep track. We actually, like you, you have to go to the distributor's website for that to see what it's on because every month, which is great, the site, because yeah. it lists everything. Yeah. Yeah. How you can watch it. Are you going to have any nowadays? Do you have events? Do you rent theater? Do you online watching? Anything um, like that? We might do a thing. Someone reached yeah. out to us about doing a, uh, like maybe a, doing a live show when it, it comes out so we might end up doing that streamed yeah, yeah so sure. so yeah. uh might stream it in. you want to go to a theater or something um i'm not sure how they're going to do that so. yeah i don't know yeah it's up to them uh, I, i'm asking because this uh, industry is changing so yeah. much so yeah it's so different i mean yeah uh 
you know, our last film came out a couple of years ago and like so much has changed just since now. then, you know, it's like every six months, it's like a totally different industry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And everybody, I mean, we didn't go to theaters for two years. So yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, I know. Do, how much legwork do you expect the distributor to do with the promotion? Um, I don't know. Uh, Honestly, because like once you you kind of put it in their court, it's sort of yeah, it's um, up to them. It's it's what they end up doing with it, and and yeah. also it depends on on the the deal that you make with them. So you know, I, I had a uh, executive producer who who did all of the the work with the distributor, so I don't know um, all of that process. So he spoke with the distributor. Yeah, so he he worked That's out so a lot good. of that stuff yeah. Uh, yeah. in advance before. Um, you know, I I really had too much to do with that, so. That's good because I know many distributors who just take the film, they put it up on the platforms, but no one's promoting it. Right. Mm. So it's filmmaker's job. It can be. It yeah, can be. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was very I mean, excited because they have a great yeah. uh, PR firm, and so like they've been getting it into, uh, you know, awesome magazines and on all the horror sites and whatnot. Yeah. So very excited. That's so good. <laughs> have you gotten any feedback of the trailer or anything? Oh, I, I oh, think yeah. my favorite comment is. Um, Oh my God, that's batshit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Which kind of describes yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> so someone just wrote, "Oh my shit." <laughs> oh my shit. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's really, it's a really well done trailer because I've seen the whole film, so I know which part you used. Yeah. Did, who did it? Um, the trailer. I don't, I, we don't know who cut the trailer. We were like, "Are we ever going to see a trailer?" And then, boom! The, this week, uh, it came out. So. That that's so yeah. good. I admire you guys because in my last film. I did the trailer and I had to do lots of things, but you yeah. have figured out that someone else does the work that you yeah, do. It's, it's That's just kind of better. This one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, cause we did that with, uh, w- you know, our, our previous film, like we completely, you know, did everything, everything. ourselves. Um, and you know, we took that to the distributor. So we were very involved in Can the Can you say process. the name of the film? Uh, uh, yeah. Dry blood. Yes. So when we did dry blood, um, you know, we, we, we had cut a trailer for it. We did the festival runs. We, we were involved in a lot of the press and, and we talked all the, all that stuff. And so, you know, we did all of that legwork, uh, ourselves. So it's kind of nice when you get to a point where you hand it to a distributor yeah. and they have people that, that handle that. But even with that one, you know, even we had uh, key art, we had a trailer, they ended up creating different key art and, <laughs> and they cut a different trailer, which was much better than, than what we had done. And, and really, I think as the filmmaker, you're kind of better off not cutting your own trailer. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's one of those things that you have to sort of have the discipline to pass it on to somebody and well, say, what do you make out of this? Yes. You know? or, or money. What's that? Yeah. Or, or money, because I didn't have resources to get anyone to yeah. do it. Yeah, but, it, you know, there's people that, that do it really, really well, and they're, you know, they just get it, you know. And, and, and when you're doing it yourself, uh, you're like, oh, I don't want to show this, or I don't want to show this, I don't want to give away spoilers, or, you know, or you, you cut things too long, or, you know, like, it, it just, it misses the the excitement that somebody brings to it. Who's yeah. That's good. I will remember it's that our for film. our film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we have a couple of minutes left. Is there anything else, or anything from this that you would like to talk? And I also would love to hear your links or your websites where we can find more about your work. Um, <laughs> well, well, let's do your links. Like, so, because you do photography I do too. Photography and art and props and things. Uh, Susan Jones photos with a Z S U Z A N 
Jones photos. On Instagram. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. I'm going to put it up too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the, there was such a broad question that it sort of like yeah, we put were me like, in a brain lock of like, yes. What? <laughs> because you, you, you came. You <laughs> we, we talked that you have some news and now we, were, we wanted to add this to be part of the podcast. So I'm just checking, is there anything we're still missing? Yeah, the Instagram and then the website is on my Instagram that you can go to to have both of our work. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think the biggest thing is just, you know, letting people know that it's coming out in, uh, in August and, uh, August 9th, of August the 9th. And, uh, <laughs> we're very excited about it. And, and like I said, the, having the press and having people respond to it on social media and, and seeing some of the feedback, like people are very excited about it, which is, uh, you know, when you make something, you're always like, oh, I made this thing, you know, <laughs> like, I know. And, like and like, it? by the time you're done with it, it's like, oh. but then when you start getting feedback and people are excited about it, you're like, okay, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> like, I feel good about this. Yeah. So. And I love the film. Oh, nice. Nice. Yes. Off the devil. Yes. The devil. So what, what were your thoughts having seen it? Yeah. Did you, uh, I'm curious to see what your take is on it. Well, I, I think it was, I was surprised how well the VFX were done. Because there was much more VFX compared to your previous film. Right. Mm. So I think you had really stepped to the next level with the filmmaking. And it was there was disturbing stuff, especially with the kid with the... And, and the butterfly, was it real? No. <laughs> no, it was all no. those VFX. Yeah. So uh, actually, one... Th so I think in all ways, it was more intense than your previous film. And it was really well done. And the fact that they went to Mexico, right? it brought the production level much higher. Nice. So I really enjoyed it. It, it, has, it was scary. <laughs> and the most disturbing shot was the old woman with yes. the maggots coming from <laughs> the eyes. That was my favorite shot. Amazing. Yeah, it was that like... That was my favorite shot. And I, actually, I think I went back and saw, like, how, how have they done it? Because this is, this is really disturbing. Yeah. Oh. Actually, there was one question that uh, the Christian themes are there quite a lot. What do you think about that as a filmmaker? Um, well, it was a big part of that because the, that, that film, um, was set within kind of the Latin uh, American community Latin, yes. and, and Catholicism is a big part of their history, yeah. you know, um, in, in many ways. So like, um, it, it's, it's very closely tied to their belief system and their family units, but there's also the, the sort of, uh, pre-Columbian history of, you know, that, that. You know, you, you had a lot of the, the, those forces came in with the religion as a, a, a colonistic oppressive group, right? So, yes. like, uh, that was sort of forced upon the people, whatever. So they have, it's a mix between, um, uh, belief and spirituality and also collective trauma. I think that that's within the entire, I mean, really all of the Americas, you know, and, yeah. and I think that's, that's a part of, um, the history of the continent that people don't really talk about a whole lot and and so you know that's far background for me but like it was um it was sort of underneath the whole story for me yes you know? because the magic that they did the magic that they did in mexico was something mm -hmm. something else but now you say Very it's ancient Maya. you know yeah. Like, yeah. yeah that's that's going way back um because, yeah, because I, I wanted to be very respectful of, of you know, yeah. Hispanic culture and Mexican yeah. culture yeah. and whatnot um, going into it. But I also wanted to make something that was scary. And, it's and very sort of plays in the subconscious, <laughs> you know. It's very scary. And thank Good. you for coming to yeah, coming yeah. back here to thank share you. about it. And yeah. Susan, thank us. you. We should talk at some point our, more with you and me, just. 
Yeah. That would be great. I was, I was going to uh, also mention, because I was thinking about this uh, today, because uh, it came up for another script, is that we were talking about um, writing for your budget. Yes. And the thing about uh-huh. that movie, when I wrote it, I wrote a film that I couldn't shoot. Like I, yeah. I did not have the resources or the skills or the 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 funding to make the movie that was on paper, but I wrote it and I made it anyway. <laughs> you know, what I mean? so it's like, you know, I, I think there's a tendency for filmmakers to to try to write what they know they can do, no, and just write it. And I think that's a little, it's a little bit wrongheaded in a way, because I think really it's like, you should write it for what does the story ask for? And what does the audience want to see? You know, like, what are you trying to, to make happen, right? What's the coolest thing that can happen? Yeah. And then you figure it out. It's I love true. it. You just figure it out. You just figure it out. And yeah. you did it. <laughs> that's good, because Most everyone else says you should <laughs> just write a small thing, write it in, make it happen in one cottage. Yeah, yeah. Which, which there's great films that do that, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you know, uh, it's easy to limit yourself, and you know, creativity and and this dream world that we create, like it, it's really beyond limits, you know. And, and I think it's good to remember remember that, remind yourself that, uh, you know, what would you want to see if you were watching it? Yeah. You know? He writes uh, it, and then I make a couple of phone calls and <laughs> <laughs> give out some hugs, and, please. <laughs> I love it. Th- those are great words to end by. So After Devil, August 9th on streaming platforms. And we can find it. What's the name of the uh, distribution company? Because they have all the links. Oh, uh, Uncorked. Uncorked Entertainment. Yes. Entertainment, yes. After Devil. Thank you so much, Susan Thank Jones, Kelton. And you. Susan, maybe you'll come as a guest another time. Definitely. I'd love to. I'd love that. Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, you. I do have another film that I was the lead actor in. That's uh, if you're into the exorcism. Uh, we genre. have one minute. We have thirty yeah. seconds. Uh, <laughs> the evil down the street. Evil down the street. Yeah, which is you on like Tubi and all do those. Do some links so. and stuff like that. That's great. Yeah. Check so that out too. <laughs> we're gonna check it out too. Evil down the street. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Bye.